Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and thank you for joining us on the show. This week, we welcome singer, songwriter, and producer Tommy Parker talking about his recent work with Macy Gray and Janet Jackson. Our music editor, Sharon Hyland, chats with me about Demi Lovato reaching 90 days of sobriety and what we think her options could be when it comes to her entertainment career. We also get to chat with singer songwriter Tebe, and we have some new music to check out from Robin and the Black Eyed Peas. But first, let's get into things with Tommy Parker. Tommy has created tracks for many talented artists like Britney Spears, Justin Bieber, and Kelly Rowland, not to mention his recent work with Macy Gray on her new album, Ruby. Tommy, thank you for making time for us. Hey, Kelly. Thank you for having me back on. Appreciate so, it. I'm, I'm always so excited uh, when you uh, agree to come on the show, and I'm super, super, super excited about the uh, project that you just worked on with Macy Gray, um, her latest album, which is called Ruby. So first of all, I have to start off, did you know Macy for a while, or was this like a new working relationship for you? Well, okay, so I met Macy... Um, I worked with Tommy Brown on Leave Me Lonely for Ariana Grande, and the label said the perfect vocal to sing this is Macy Gray. So I met Macy Gray for the first time. I vocal produced her on the Dangerous, well, Leave Me Lonely song that was called Dangerous Love, but we changed it to Leave Me Lonely. And we met, and since then we just started her album immediately it just felt good she loved where i was going musically with things um we were both super nina simone fan you know macy's macy has a signature voice to me like nina simone so we just really connected and the rest is history we just we worked hard it, it, I, I love the album it's one of it's one of my favorite albums i've, I've ever done because i was so hands-on with it with macy and i learned so much from her it was amazing. And uh, I wanted to ask you specifically, like, how daunting was it for you? Because not only were you co-writing the songs, but you do have a producer credit on this as well. So you're producing, like, was it hard to switch hats? Was it just challenging overall? Well, not not, not really. Not all the way. Um, I love to produce, because uh, with the Janet album, on am producing then and coming up with melodies. And then Jimmy Jam and Terry though will go over the production and Janet would write it. So it's sort of the same thing, but it wasn't as hands on as it was with Macy. Like we'll just she'll have this idea that will be so far off and she'll explain it to me. I'm like I'm I totally get it now. But it will be out of my norm. So it was more of a challenge, um, with some things with Macy. With being the producer and being the writer, because you know, Janet, I was raised with the Jackson sound and Janet Jackson. So I knew it. <laughs> I studied it more so than I studied Macy Gray. Now, with regards to uh, the project itself, like you said, she had some ideas. Did she have a bunch of ideas coming in, or did a lot of the songs come about from scratch? Some of the songs came from scratch, but majority of everything, she spearheaded the whole thing. She had a vision, and she just wanted us to see it, and we gradually saw it. <laughs> but Ruby was something she spearheaded. And uh, when it comes to the uh, the track listing, like the sequencing and stuff, like was it a story that you guys were trying to tell? Is it a collection of songs? And was it different? Like was it challenging to sequence the album in the in the order that it is? I think it, I think it, it it's Macy's it's a Macy Gray story. We were just like um, vessels to her story. You know, she put it all together, and this is what she wanted to talk about. You know, Buddha, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, I think that's like one of the greatest opening tracks to an album. And I didn't produce that or wrote that, but that's just one of my favorite songs coming into the album. It's so relaxing. It it shows you where the growth of Macy Gray and how much she loves what she does to package it like this and to tell a new story, a different story from the I tried days and leading up to this point. Now I've read in a an article about like that Macy recently did an interview where um if memory serves she pretty much said that this is the best album she's ever done like would you agree with that statement? Yeah. No. I mean because I think I try was a really beautiful album and she just came out with a a jazz album called Stripped. I think it was about 2 years ago. 
I surprisingly thought that was an awesome album. I love the way she sounded. She sounded like a raspy Billie Holiday to me, and I loved it. So I, this is uh, this is a great record. I think it. I can't say it's her best because I don't know. I, I I think it's great. I don't know if it's her best. Now, how many of you were working on the album? Was it like you, Macy, and like like two or three other people, or was there a larger group trying to get this thing done? <laughs> No, it was, it was it was a small group. It was me, Macy, Tommy Brown, and Johan. It was just it was just us. Okay, cool. And when did the recording start? The process and and how long did it take? Was it like two months? Less than that? Well, um, we we really got a lot of the album done early, and then it was us trying to find the best home for the album. So that process took a little bit longer. So it it took a little over a year, year to two years to get everything together. And the songs that we started off at the beginning of the two years, we brought them back and made it more towards today and added more elements to it. And it just, you know, it just became a really great body of work. Can you talk to us about the single Sugar Daddy? Because I know that it was co-written as well by Megan Trainer. So how did that whole situation come about? Well, Tommy Brown was working with Megan Trainer a lot at the time because I think she just came off of her album and she was doing a lot of writing again for Fifth Harmony and you know we all work with Fifth Harmony and them so Tommy was friends with Megan and she he said you know Macy Gray wants to come over she's like you're kidding I'm the biggest Macy Gray fan I would love to write with her so Sugar Daddy's actually a song that Megan Trainer wrote with her father when she was 15 and um she had, she came with the chords and she came with you know some of the lyrics and then for Macy Gray we were just like well let's make it a little bit more daring let's let's make it like a sugar daddy like somebody that's like do you get money from and think if you candy so we made it a little bit more <laughs> adult friendly to Macy <laughs> but it was awesome I think Mega Trainer is so cool we we all clicked very well and she gave us a dope song for Macy so. Big shout out to Megan Trainer. That's fantastic. Do you think you're going to work with her again, Tommy? Megan, I would love to. If the opportunity permits, I would love to. She's dope. Yeah, she seems She's super really cool. She seems super cool. And you were speaking about, yeah. um, you know, like you know, each of you sort of working with different people, like Fifth Harmony and all that kind of stuff. How do you feel like things are uh, in your world right now, like with regards to songwriting? Because I, I happen to uh, listen to the podcast and the writer is, which is done by Ross Golan. I'm sure you've heard of it, and I know he's a, he wrote on this yeah. album too. Like, what's it like in the songwriting community in L.A.? Is it like a tight group of people? Are there different sort of branches of what you guys are doing? Um, there's definitely different different types of branches. Um, because sometimes um, it can become pretty cliquish. And, um, you know, some people work really well together and they stay amongst each other. And then some pe- some other people work well with each other. Um, my thing is, if you get a good groove, if everyone has um, no ego and it just feels good, you know, I'm I work with everybody. I don't, I'm not too much in the clickish type of vibe. That's cool. And uh, I also yeah. noticed on the album credits that Austin Brown is uh, was a part at least of of one song. So, are you still working with Austin? I know yeah. you and him are buds. Oh yeah, he, he Austin actually did more than one song. Um, he he played instruments on the majority of the song on Macy's album. He um, lit guitar, he played the bass on some, and we both played the xylophones on um, Witness, because Macy won his xylophones. <laughs> the, that, that type of stuff is what taught us, because I never played his xylophone. She's like, go ahead, play the xylophone. Any xylophone on there. Okay. So I know music, so, <laughs> like, so let's play it. So me and Austin start playing it, and she's like, not like that. I'm like, okay. But I never played his xylophone before, but we taught ourselves as we were in the studio and it came out nice. Oh my God. That's <laughs> but fantastic. That's how spontaneous and cool she is in the studio. That's awesome. Well, I'm super glad you, uh, you let us in on that. Cause I, I have this vision in my head of what Macy must be like in the studio and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's correct, oh, yeah. but like, I, I, I assume a lot of it's high octane, but is there times where she gets like pretty, um, just mellow or whatever, depending on what song you guys are working on? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, the thing is she's always up top of the song. So you might be listening to this song, and she already hears a couple of steps that we haven't made yet. So she's always, you know, directing in a way of what to do or pushing us to go further with our thoughts. Like, let's 
Let's make this a little better. Let's put this in there and make it better. Put more pianos in it. Take the piano out. Put a saxophone in it. Take the saxophone out. Do something else. Just be different. That's fantastic. So that's, that's, yeah, she's, she's awesome. I love her so much. Yeah, I, th- I don't think any, if anybody doesn't like Macy Gray, they shouldn't be on this planet because she just seems to have such a great vibe. Yeah. I know the two times I've interviewed her, it's just been such a treat and uh, like hopefully get a, get her back on the show soon. And um, I wanted to make sure everybody remembers that, uh, you know, if you want to follow Tommy, it's very simple. You can uh, grab his social media at Tommy Parker 80s. And uh, with yeah. regards to, to the album, I always wanted to know this because I think if you are an artist, no matter what sort of genre that you're in, you're some some level of perfectionist once this album was done and ready to drop was there anything that you wished that you had changed or 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 worked harder on or anything like that or were you happy with with what came out um i was honestly very happy with what came out now i'm I'm a producer and i've never produced music from um bringing in a lot more live elements like i work with string players on because i produce cold world Myself and I brought in um, Macy, one of the string players and um, um, a bass player, because I would do everything digitally. And to bring all these people in and it to take a new, um, a new life, it was beautiful. So I wouldn't change anything. I, I love everything we did. Perfect. And um, I obviously know Macy loves a lot of live instruments. So is most of the album all live instruments? Yes. Then, well, it, it's a it's a whole lot of live instruments added. Okay. After we have the digital side of things, we put the live instruments on. Okay, and cool. And it just boosted it up. Awesome. Now, um, yeah. do you think that... So what is the next project that you... Are you currently working on things right now? Like, I know the album's out for her, so what are you working on at the moment? Yeah. Well, Janet Jackson again. Yay! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My girl. That's um, it. Yeah, we just we just went number one with Made for Now, which is awesome. It's my my third number one with Janet, working with her. So that's super super dope. Um, I'm I'm proud of that, and um, I'm working with Evan and Ashley Simpson. Okay. I mean Evan Ross and Ashley Ross with mm-hmm. Austin Brown. Big up to them. Their show is doing well, and um, the music is really nice. Verdine White. Let's help out with their music as well. Okay. How did you, like, when did you get the call to go in and, and start working on this? Has it, like, was it earlier this year? Uh, no. It was, it was, it was almost about two years ago. Oh, wow. This is like, yeah, this is like right after Unbreakable and um, right after she had the baby. I think that they wanted to do some more music. And it actually came organically because I, me and Harmony Samuels were signed to Dark Child at the same time. So Harmony reached out to me to work on the Janet album. Janet didn't even know. That's so she funny. Didn't, she didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it happened organically because Harmony got reached out from a label to start working on records for her. And he was like, Tommy, you got to come. So I don't tell Janet stuff like that because we don't talk business. Okay. So I just worked on it. And then she called me and said, Tommy, was that you singing? I was like, yeah, that's me. She's like, I knew it was you. I knew you were working on this. <laughs> so it really happened organically. It was very genuine, and it clicked. Okay, and cool. We have a number one. Well, congratulations on that. And I know it's doing well on, on a bunch of charts, actually. So uh, I'm sure yeah. there's, there's more number ones to come. And uh, with regards yes. to the song, yes. I, I know you said, so it was, it's been a while. So because like she had the baby in, in, in January of 17. So did she record after that? Yeah. Like, did she record that song after the baby? Um, yes. Okay. And yeah, so for, sure. for the song itself, I know that there's um, a bunch of you listed as co-writers on the song. So like, how did that all work out? Did you like work on it by yourself or work with Harmony at the same time? Like, and how did that all come together? <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was a joint effort. It was, it was me. There's, there's a guy named Baron, um, Harmony, um, the JV, he's another producer that produced with Harmony. There's another um, gentleman that helped, well, two more gentlemen that helped. I don't know everyone's name, but it was it was collective. It was all of us together. We were in the same room and we just started writing all all kinds of songs for just to get some ideas out for her. And mm-hmm. um, uh, we wrote it. We let Janet listen to it, and Janet puts her two cents on it and makes it a Janet record. 
but it was all love. It, it was a lot of people with the same mindset. When Harmony said, like, I need you to come work with this, uh, did she have the idea, like, like Janet, for what she wanted the song to be? Like, did you have a direction about what you needed to write? Or was it like, go forth, be creative, and then we'll see what, what happens? Yeah, pretty, pretty much. It was from her. It was from her. You know, she she is all about love, and she's all about the, excuse me, the now of things. You know, spreading love now. What can we change now for tomorrow? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's been something she preached about a lot. So, you know, it was easy for us to think of something that's dear to her okay, like cool. that. And that's how May for Now came about, from what she preaches. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show, music producer Tommy Parker. Make sure to follow him on social media at Tommy Parker 80s uh, The song Made For Now has many flavors to it. Was that by design as well? Yeah, that was Harmony. Harmony is from London and he's Nigerian. So he brought a lot of his heritage and the music in. It was beautiful. Yeah, it sounds it so beautiful. eclectic. It really, and then of course the the video with the visuals was just like stunning. So it really did make it feel like almost like a world, yeah. like a world dance song. Yeah, and it's awesome. Um, Jimmy Jam and Terry also helped as well um, with some of the production in this song, and so did Randy Jackson. Oh Janet's, wow! Um, brother, yeah. Okay, cool. That's great. I didn't know. So he actually was put his producing hat on. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, he's a very talented guy right there. <laughs> That's cool. Now, um, are there more? Like, as I know that there has been talk that she has like an at least an EP or something coming out. So, have you been working on more songs? Like, or did you all work at like uh, you know on a chunk of songs when you were doing Made for Now? Well, see, the thing is, with a lot of artists, you never know until it's it's like a week before it comes out. So, I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> I know we worked on a lot of great songs, <laughs> but <laughs> you don't really know until it's like okay. We really want these songs. Like, okay, cool. But other than that, we have a lot of great songs, and it's going to be a surprise for all of us. That's fantastic. And um, I wanted to ask you, because the last time you you came on the show, you had just, um, like, the album Unbreakable had just been released a couple of weeks prior, uh, back in 2015. And obviously, it was such a great album. It was so... Um, eclectic and well thought out and just like it touched on so many different genres that I think Janet um, loves in her own life and I, I think she put that through on that yeah. album uh, how did you feel yeah, about did. like after like now that the album's been out for you know three years uh, what's your opinion on it to this day like like because you it, it's obviously had time to marinate yeah I, I still love it I really really love it, it it's as a Janet said uh, aside from working with the I love to to listen to albums that really show what she was going through in her life at that time. So at that time, I, you know, that was around the time that um, we really got really close and we wrote the album together and I got to meet Jimmy Jam and Terry. So I hear myself being a part of that album as her friend. So I love the album for that, me being a part of it on a more personal level. Perfect. And uh, I if that wanna, makes any sense. It totally makes sense. It makes sense. And actually, along that line, I wanted to ask you, like, just f- from my opinion as an outside observer, uh, it seems like since she's had the baby, so this is obviously after the Unbreakable Project was done, but I feel like yeah. she's got this new, especially because I was able to see her uh, in concert a couple of times since, since she's had the baby, and I just feel yeah. like, I don't know if it, I, I'm sure it has something to do with, with, with her son. Uh, she just seems to have this, like, supreme glow around her uh, now. And I mean, she's always been a happy person, but there just seems like this added glow. And she seems like she's really finally, for the first time in her life, I think allowing herself to take in like her accomplishments, not in an ego way, but just sort of realizing that she's accomplished a lot and also really taking in, uh, I think, the love that the fans give to her and then her love back to the fans. Yeah, it's her son. It's her son. I mean, I mean, to any woman, that's a very humbling experience to have a child. And, you know, you always want to do better um, with your child, you know, raised differently than how you were raised. But it does something to you. Cause it does something to me. I have a more focus. I have more love. I have a more... Uh, there's somebody that you have to look after and you're responsible for. You brought that person in the world. And it's, it's, it's a different vibe that it makes you have. More confidence in yourself. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to explain. I can only explain it for myself. Mm-hmm. But I see the same thing. It, it, it's her son. Okay. It is her son all the way. That's perfect. And he's at all the shows with her, too. So she's performing for him. 
Oh, I'm sure. And all her fans, of course. <laughs> I am sure. She, he, he's up there with you guys. And would you say, Tommy, too, again, as someone that, that's not only like her, her music producer and songwriter, but like a friend of hers, would you say also that um, since Issa, and along with all of the things we've just discussed, that it's almost like I feel like she has um, a renewed passion for her career. Like, it seems like she really wants yeah. to accomplish, like, all these these things now. Like, I mean, she's always been someone who accomplishes yeah. things, but it almost seems like, again, it's like she's been 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 zapped by something, and, like, now she's on high octane. Yeah, I think I think she, she took a break, and she lived life, and now she had her baby. She did everything she ever wanted to do, and now it's like this is the next bracket of her life. Now she's conditioning herself to, you know, to do even more. How far can you let it go? How far can things go? Perfect. And she's already a legend. She's already the greatest. You can only go even higher than this. And I don't know. Well, I think she's definitely in a great place. And I, I love that she has such um, positive people around her like you and, and Harmony, it seems. And, oh, and obviously, yeah. Jimmy and Terry. I just think you guys, uh, it all, I think it just helps if you have, or you're supported by such a, a wonderful team with positive light. And you definitely give that off, Tommy. So congratulations on, oh, on everything. Thank you. And, uh, thank you, Kelly. Of course. And uh, is there anything that you would like to let the fans know now with regards to like things to be on the lookout for uh, that you've been working on? Like, I know we've got some Janet stuff. We've just finished Macy. Um, are there things you're working on? Yeah. on now that you want us to pay attention to? Um, Ashley and Evan Ross, uh, I'll be on their album when their album comes out. Not their EP, but their album that's coming out, I think, either next year. Look out for that. Okay. Um, look out for more music from Janet and um, more stuff from Macy. Go get the Macy album, Ruby. It's so good. It's and I, I send you like the biggest high five and the biggest hug from here because I told you off air before we started the Thank interview that it's just like it's yeah. it's mind blowing and I I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of Macy and the whole team that put that album together because it's I find like so many albums are uninspired these days and that is definitely yeah. an inspired album. So congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much. Thank you so much, Kelly. Well, you are always welcome back on the show, and you know as soon as uh, new Janet, you know, music comes out, I'm bugging you again to come back on the show. So. Oh yeah, I'll be, I'll be here, I'll okay. be here. <laughs> Fantastic, because I know, um, I like, I personally love, you know, hearing these behind the scenes stories about how uh, the tracks came out and all that sort of good stuff. And I know the fans feel the same way. Yeah. So, so thank you for always being so open and honest and sharing with us uh, what it was like to put together you're these, welcome. these, these masterpieces. Well, you're welcome, Kelly. Thank you for always having me on the show and being such a dope bit of viewer. I appreciate that. So make sure you uh, you check out Tommy, of course, singer, songwriter, music producer Tommy Parker. You can follow him on social media at Tommy Parker 80s. And joining us now in studio, our music editor, Miss Sharon Hyland. This Hello. week we uh, there she is. Uh, th- <laughs> this week uh, we are chatting about the uh, the very talented Demi Lovato, who um, relapsed back into drug addiction uh, earlier this year and then overdosed this past summer. Uh, she was rushed to hospital back in July, I believe it was, where uh, thankfully, thankfully, they were able to revive her. And uh, following that hospital stay, she went straight to rehab. Now, recently, her mother, Diana, announced during an interview that she has reached 90 days sober and is apparently taking her sobriety very seriously. So, Sharon, I guess I'll start off by asking you... Um, just on the overall picture of Demi, what do you think of her as an artist? I will start by saying I personally think she's fantastic. I'm, I'm slightly in love with this woman. I think she's amazing. <laughs> I think she has such a great, unique voice. We might have to fight we over her. We might have her. to fight over her. <laughs> do, you, do you love the, the Demi? I uh, I had the great fortune of seeing her live with my nephew, who also loves Demi. He has a t-shirt, in fact. In fact, he does. And uh, I thought that the whole experience of seeing her live was just supremely positive. So the energy that she put into making the experience so great for her fans was uh, was to be commended. And again, I was coming at it from like uh, the adult. She's not necessarily looking to appeal to my age group, mm-hmm. but uh, you cannot deny her uh, her vocal power and the message that she's bringing to uh, to her main fan base. I appreciate what she's doing. That said, when you've got uh, all the pressures and all the things that you've got as just a uh, a human, she's got her own plate of things to deal with mm-hmm. pressure gets uh, racked up a notch and and sometimes uh, you get knocked down yeah because you know the thing is did you watch her documentary Simply, I didn't. okay yeah so i because jeffrey your nephew who you were talking about who also helps um us out not only on 90s but on this show of course the mm-hmm. kelly alexander show uh he told me about the documentary so i just finished watching it about three nights ago and i watched it in two sections 
And I kind of needed the break a little bit between the two because it was a bit like, it's weird. I felt like it was a good documentary, but there was moments where I just wanted more her. I felt it was a bit back and forth between her and then performance clips and then kind of like a glossy situation. Yeah. And so, um, because I, and I also felt that some of the commentary was a bit surfacy. So I guess I was hoping for a bit more. And when did she, when was the documentary well, made? Well, that's, it came out, I believe, basically a year ago. So like October of 2017. So maybe it's the she result was, of wanting to gloss over yeah, maybe. some of the reality that's probably painful to deal with. Yeah, because it sounds like she was heading down that road uh, around that time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously culminating in, in July. But um, it was kind of eerie too. And Jeffrey mentioned this when he told me about it. He's like, when you see the documentary, he's like, you're going to see it's almost like a precursor to the road she then followed, I guess. Mm -hmm. And some of the scenes, I guess, that were disconcerting to me in the documentary were like uh, these party scenes. And so, and it's not that she was doing anything wrong, but I'm like, if you put yourself in that milieu, then you're, I feel like you're asking, if you are a recovering addict, you're, you're asking potentially for trouble. And there's, you can see that there would be a part of, of the devil tapping on your shoulder saying, you should just be able to go to a party. Yeah. You should. Mm -hmm. Just goes fine. And then it taps a little harder saying something else. You know, like, mm-hmm. you should, you can have one, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe mm-hmm. that's part of what she was, uh, part of the slippery slope. Yeah, because I guess my question for you, too, is, because um, you, you and I have talked before about, let's say, people from Guns N' Roses, like Slash, who's, like, now recovering, and, and he's back out on tour, and, and um, Duff as well, you know, and they're recovering, and they seem to stay on their ass, although I know Duff had a relapse, I think, in his initial sobriety, he kind of went back on pills, I think, for a while. Yeah. I think he talked about that in his book. But I guess because Demi is so much younger than them, like they kind of had gone through a, a big portion of their life and then kind of got sober. I don't know if she's at that point yet. So I know she's at her point now of being 90 days sober, but I'm wondering if she puts herself back into the entertainment industry where she makes her money and, you know, and is su- such a great singer and a very passionate artist. And I think um, is very connected to her fans, as you probably felt when you saw her in concert. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering is it a good idea? Like, will she be able... Is what a good idea? Is her going back to an industry where party is part of the business? Well, it doesn't have to be a part of the business, I think, is what you you learn. And if you... Uh, again, I, I can only speak as a, as a um, uh, spectator. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that if you know what your, your weaknesses are, then you have to manage yourself in those situations. Mm-hmm. And if it's leaving early... If it's going with someone who can keep you on like track. Like a sober coach or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Keep you accountable at, at the first. But you, I don't think you necessarily have to change industries because mm-hmm. part, of the, part of the nature of the industry includes partying. Mm-hmm. You don't have to party. Right. True. Yeah. I'm just wondering if at her age, because she's 26, I think, if that's in her mindset. You know what I mean? Like if it could be. Well, I would think, you know, even just comparing um, her with, like, the likes of uh, members of Guns N' Roses or anybody from 25 years ago, let's say, Mm -hmm. there's much more access to the artist now. Right. Much more. Phones out. Take your picture. Oh, you just fell. Oh, take your picture. We're going to post it. So there's an accountability and it's added pressure. Yeah. But if you can reverse that and make it work for you, great. Mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses were just touring and drinking and touring and, you know, there wasn't cameras in their faces all the time. So mm-hmm. you'd see these pictures once in a while and you're like, whoa, bloated, you know, but that yeah. was once in a while in a magazine. You weren't necessarily sitting on your computer waiting for the news to come mm-hmm. where now you don't even have to be waiting for the news to come. It's zinging right into your phone. So exactly. the uh, that comes with its own set of pressure and hopefully she'll be able to take that and make it work for her, knowing that uh, the wolves are out there waiting. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you brought up the social media aspect because, yeah, that's what I, I wanted to talk about as well. Like 15 years ago. Uh, I would say, because Facebook, I think, came in in 2007 or so. Yep. so and, then, and then everything started, right, with everything else. And so, yeah, they were able to kind of go and mess up and then figure it out. But now, like you said, they cannot. Like, Justin Bieber has gone through his own thing. She's gone through her own thing. Even Britney, for a while, was kind of going through her own thing. And so um, I'm just wondering if the pressures of being an artist to begin with coupled with the world we live in now with social media 24-7, if it's if you think it's even a, a, a more unhealthy place than it was 25 years ago when Guns N' Roses, for example, were going through it. Like, do you think it's it's almost too much? Because we've seen, like, Justin, like, he, you know, he fell hard. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and now she's fallen hard. And, like, even Ariana, who's not addicted as far as we know, but she's had her own thing because of the massacre that she went through and then mm-hmm. her boyfriend and then the Pete Davidson thing, like... It's just, and then Selena Gomez too. Like she's another one who's had so much fame that she's had to take herself off of her phone. 
And that's not a bad idea. You have to come up with the things that are going to keep you safe mm-hmm. in any section of the world, whether you're a superstar or whether you're me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you have to, it's it's on you because we're all, like, on the human path, no matter what our jobs are, no matter how our careers take us in crazy different directions, at the end of the day, you have to be accountable for you. You're the res- You're the one in charge of you. There's mm-hmm. going to be, and in their business, there's hundreds of people that need, need, need something from them, but you need to make sure that you're fine. Mm-hmm. You can't go and please everybody all the time. It's simple stuff that that uh, that's elevated because they have so much uh, expected from them. Right. But you really have to manage. And when they go and they go into um, rehab, mm-hmm. like 90 days, that's a lot of days. Yeah. She should be very proud of herself. Mm-hmm. And she's learning within those 90 days how to stay strong, how to face the, the hurdles that she'll um, be thrown into on the track, mm-hmm. how to jump over them, how to get around them, and still be okay. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole process. And... Hopefully she's uh, she's good to go. I hope so too, and I really hope that um, that she will. Because when you see her, especially Sharon, if you get a chance to watch the documentary, like you just see how much she genuinely cares about her fans. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of artists who I feel like it's not an act, but they take it for granted. I feel like Demi doesn't take it for granted, right? Maybe because of what she's been through, and so I I, I hope. That she will, because of who she is and how her fans love her so much, and we can ask Jeff- Jeffrey this question, mm-hmm. um, I feel like they're with her for the long haul no matter what. I think so, too. Like, I think she's going to be around when she's 60. Like, I don't I don't think a lot of pop artists would be, but I think she will. Yeah. And she's good to go and do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that they all, all the pop stars, all the music makers, mm-hmm. I think that they go into it... Uh, Hopefully and openly, I don't think they're going in. I want to make this, you know. I don't. I want to be cliche, and I want to. I think they go into it thinking, "I'd love to make some music. Mm-hmm. I'd love to connect with my fans." Yeah. But when you put, it's almost pressure putting it all on the fans too. I'm doing it for my fans, which then puts the pressure on you. Right. You ha- you can only be good for your fans if you're good for yourself. True. And I think t- going back to Justin Bieber for a second, I think I remember uh, Scooter, his manager, saying years ago that Justin said, "Please don't let me end up like blank." I forget the blank was at the time, but he did end up like blank. Well, yeah. And that's just the way it and was. blank but, could be any, yeah. it's a long list of people that have ended up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's how they ended up. Yeah, yeah. At some point, though, no matter, like I said, no matter what your industry is, mm-hmm. it's on you. Yeah, exactly. Figure out what you want and find out, especially when you've got that much uh, dollars as a resource, there's no, end, there's no end to a list of possibilities for you. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that... Hopefully they know how to make sure to make the right choices to move on. Sharon, thank Kelly, you. We're here to teach. <laughs> you we're are here, here to rock. Teach. Uh, that is our music editor, Sharon Hyland. And of course, you can listen to both Sharon and I on our other podcast, 90s Now, where we give you your fixin' of all things 90s and all things now. And you can check that out, 90snow.com. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and now Spotify. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. Do you know that young lady? That is actually Swedish pop singer Robin, who you may remember from her 1997 hit song, Show Me Love. She's back with her eighth solo album called Honey. And uh, I'm digging this song. I definitely want to take it with me to the gym, that's for sure. So far, no word yet on any tour, but hopefully she will hit the road because she's got a great back catalog. Heavy impact, I'm a thundercat. You know where my number's at, number one. One is for the love, two is for the soul, three's the magic number. That is Grammy award-winning hip-hop group, The Black Eyed Peas. Can you imagine? They are back with their first new album in eight years called Masters of the Sun, Volume 1. And this new album, a return to their hip-hop roots. And it's the first album, by the way, that they've released since the uh, departure of group member Fergie earlier this year. And uh, on the album, lots of socially conscious topics uh, with what's going on in the States today. I think that uh, Will I Am has lots to say about it. I'm totally digging the album. I hope you will, too. The Peas actually currently on tour. Uh, so far, most of their dates are overseas, but hopefully they will make some uh, some time for dates in Canada and the U.S. very soon. Wondering why, why, why? No, you ain't shy, shy, shy. I'ma say bye, bye, bye. Better know I won't think twice. Better let go of your pride. Do now, just do it now, now. 
her self-titled debut album, that is Ella May. This song is called Shot Clock. It's already climbing up the Billboard R&B chart. The album also doing amazingly well, debuting in the top 20 in the UK and number 5 on the Billboard 200 album chart. Ella is going to be hitting the road in 2019 with dates in Europe as well as in Canada and the US. She's definitely an artist to watch. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show. We're always happy to have you along for the ride. And don't forget, you can always keep track of what's going on with The Kelly Alexander Show by jumping onto our website, kellyalexandershow.com, and grabbing all of our social media handles. Now, joining us on the show right now is Canadian singer-songwriter Tebe, who is also a renowned songwriter, having written music for the likes of One Direction, Fifth Harmony, Cher, Big and Rich, and Flo Rida. Tebe has released his latest EP called Love a Girl and is here to talk all about it. Tebe, welcome to the program. No problem. Thanks for having me. So let's kick it back to the beginning. What made you decide to pursue music? Because I, I think you also had a sporting career at one point as well. So how did you follow this vein? You know, I did. I was, I was pretty good at football in high school and, um, you know, got pretty heavily recruited to play um, football in the U.S. in college, Division One, And um, I just ended up choosing music. Um, it's a long story. To make a long story short, I ended up getting a record deal when I was um, 18 years old in, in Nashville. And I've kind of been on this winding, crazy road ever since. Now, did you think you would do songwriting or did you think you would be an artist? Like, is it one and the same for you? Or, or I know some people choose like, no, they just want to write songs or vice versa. You know, I think, uh, I think I've kind of come full circle. You know, I started as an artist and then when things kind of went south there for a minute on the artist side, I ended up writing songs for people just so I could stay in the music business and not have to, you know, quote unquote, work a real job. And, uh, it's good to, to get back to being an artist again over the last four or five years. Now discuss the, uh, the new release It's called love a girl and you know, how many songs is on it and, and what do you want people to take away from this particular EP? Cause I know that some people, you know, are very happy to just sort of put out five or six songs and that sort of tells the story as opposed to doing a full length album. Yeah, I think EPs are the way to go, especially these days uh, where people are, are not necessarily invested in full albums, if I'm honest. I think with streaming and Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like that, I think people's attention spans are a lot shorter. But I really just wanted to kind of compile the best songs that I thought I had and really just take some chances. There's a little bit of everything on this EP, everything from a song that kind of leans, uh, you know, country EDM, to be honest with you, to um, the singles, which were Denim on Denim and the current one, Who's Gonna Love You? How would you describe yourself? Because I've read some articles where people kind of say, you know, uh, Canadian country artist Tebe. Is that what you would say about yourself or, or are you multi-genre? I mean, as, a, as an artist, I'm definitely a country artist. I just really enjoy pushing the envelope and taking chances and, and you know, just trying to release music that is straight down the middle, if that's a good way to describe it. I just really want to kind of pull from my experiences and also my, um, my influences growing up. I mean, growing up, I listened to, to all different kinds of music, not just country, everything from Nirvana to Boys to Men. So I like being uh, just able to write and record what I feel and not necessarily worry about it fitting into a specific box. When it comes to your EP, Love a Girl, was it uh, challenging to choose which songs you were going to put on there? Yeah, it was. I mean, I took a long time writing this EP. Uh, there was no rush for me at all. Um, I think the hardest part was was picking the first single and, you know, Denim on Denim was that song for us and it did so well. It actually just got certified gold in Canada, which is really, really cool. So yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of all the songs on there, but you know, I think Denim on Denim is probably the one special one that stands out, I guess. And uh, when it comes to your songwriting for yourself, uh, is it a whole different ball game as opposed to when you are writing for, let's say, a One Direction? Um, I think it's different because you know when you're writing in the pop music genre, it's it's a totally different hat that I have to wear when I'm writing uh, pop songs as opposed to for myself. Um, but you know, I'm I'm my hardest critic, I guess you could say. I just, uh, it's really hard for me to, to kind of, uh, you know, commit to recording or saying this song is for me. Uh, it's really, really hard sometimes. Now, when you are writing for other artists, how does that go? Like, do you write with yourself? Do you write with a bunch of other people? Like, how do you get things going in that regard? 
it really depends on the circumstance. With the One Direction guys, that was just songs that I had written, not even thinking about One Direction. I, you know, every time I sit down, I just try to write the best song possible, and hopefully it'll find a home. And I don't really like to tailor songs for certain people. You know, it's not like you know, oh, Britney Spears is looking for a song or, or whatever. Let's write a song that you know I think that Britney would want to record. I just try to write the best songs possible and hopefully they find their way to the right artist. Has it been challenging to become part of the songwriters community? Like, I know that you've been there a while, so I'm sure that the question I'm asking you is a bit maybe something you've already done before, obviously, but is it hard to get in those, like, if I can call it that, A-list rooms? Yeah, it absolutely is. And it doesn't really get easier, even with the more hits that you have. I've done some pretty good things, I think, as a songwriter and have a pretty respected discography but it really doesn't get any easier you're consistently hustling your songs you're consistently trying to write with the best people and and these things take time uh it, i wish there was a magic uh you know magic potion or something that could kind of uh you could take that would help get your songs recorded <laughs> but there really isn't it's just one of those things that it just takes time and it's like any other business if you want to be successful in any business you have to to network and just build those relationships, and it's no different being in the music business. Now, I know you're from Ontario, and then you, you moved to Nashville. Is is Nashville still your your, your base at the moment? Because I know also that you've spent time in L.A. as well. Yeah, it's definitely still home, Nashville. Um, I have a house up there in Niagara Falls, or Niagara-on-the-Lake in Ontario as well, where I spent some of my time. But, but Nashville's home for me. My wife is here. My kids uh, were born here. We really love Tennessee. I miss Canada. I miss certain things about being north of the border, but Nashville is definitely home. Now, uh, when it comes to the situation that's going on in the States right now politically, um, especially we've just come through this um, crazy situation with the Supreme Court where everybody around the world was glued to their, their television sets, did you ever find yourself in the last while maybe wanting to move back to Canada, or does it just inspire you to <laughs> keep being where you are and, and just you know trying to write music that you think might help people in their own specific circumstance about forgetting all the crazy that seems to be happening politically? Oh, man. You know, there's, there's, there's good things and bad things about everywhere in the world. Um, there's times uh, where I wish I were living in Canada, and then there's times I'm happy to be here in the States. My kids were born here. I'm actually an, a dual American citizen, even though I grew up in Canada. Uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is. There's always something going on in the world. It doesn't matter if you're here or, or, or China or Switzerland. There's always something that's going to that's gonna upset you when you turn on the television. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, I do enjoy coming back to Canada, I think, that we are a great country and I enjoy coming home every chance I get. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is Canadian singer-songwriter Tebe. Make sure you follow him first on his website, tebeofficial.com, and then, of course, you can grab his social media handles, uh, Tebe Music, on Facebook and, of course, Instagram. When it comes to performing, I know that you're heading out on tour soon. What do you want your audience to know? Uh, or I, I'm sure a lot of it's a surprise. You don't want to give it away. But, but how important is your live show? It's really important. I mean, that's where you get to connect with the fans. That's that's the best part of what I do or what we collectively do as artists is getting up on stage and being able to perform those songs for the fans. Uh, I don't think people, most people don't make music to, you know, hear it on the radio or to, or to, to get their own satisfaction. Uh, it's all about performing live for the fans. And that's one of the things that I couldn't experience as a songwriter, writing songs for other people. There's, there really is nothing like getting up on stage and performing your own songs to people who came to that show to see you. Um, I just, I like to have a very energetic show. A lot of the, the venues we're playing on this tour are arenas, which is really awesome, because I've never actually done a you know, proper arena tour. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I just, I just love getting up there and performing. Has there been a concert that you've been to, let's say in the last year or year and a half, where you're like, wow, not that you want to take anything from what they've done and apply it to your stuff, but like where it's really inspired you to be like, oh my God, like I need to be doing my own version of that. Yeah, I mean, maybe Maroon 5. I'm, I'm a massive Maroon 5 fan and anyone who's ever been to one of their shows knows just how tight their show is. You can really see that those guys have been playing together for, for so many years. And Adam Levine as a front man is absolutely incredible. So I just want to try to, to have a show that could, could one day be as good as the show that Maroon 5 seems to consistently put on every time. 
I go and watch them play. When you are um, watching TV, I don't know if you happen to watch any reality music competitions at all, but uh, speaking of Adam Levine, uh, obviously he's a mentor on, or a coach on The Voice. What's your take on uh, reality music shows? And uh, do you think that it provides an avenue for, for maybe some artists that, that really wouldn't have, have stood out anywhere else to get that chance to go? I think so. I think you've seen the careers of people like Carrie Underwood and Kelly Clarkson and, and you know, think off the top of my head, like Daughtry, people like that who have come off of uh, Fifth Harmony even, off of reality-based singing competitions that have gone on to have great careers. So I think that any way you can get your name out there and, and get the opportunity, uh, whether that be from packing up and, and moving from your small town to L.A. or Nashville or or standing in line for six hours to be on a reality television show. Um, at the end of the day, the goal is still the same. You're trying to become a professional um, musician, and you're just following your dreams. So, I, you know, I have nothing against the, uh, the the reality singing competitions. I personally don't really watch them, um, but I have nothing against them. As I mentioned to you uh, off-air before we started the interview, I'm always super passionate about songwriters because I think that you know, a lot of songwriters don't get the credit that they are due because we always just see the the main artists and we're like, oh, Britney Spears, like, look how awesome she is or, or you know, Rihanna or what have you. Um, but when it comes to you writing for uh, other artists, and we talked a little bit about this before, but do you, you know, have a particular process where I know you said you don't plan out I'm going to write a song for Britney Spears, but do you have like sort of like an ABC about knowing how you're going to sort of move through a project or is it always different each and every time? It's different every time I sit down to write a song. Some days I'll have uh, an idea or, or typically for me anyways, it starts with a title. Uh, I'll typically have a title or, or a hook line that I'm, I'm interested in writing. But I mean, every single time it, it varies based on your co-writers, of course. Yeah, there's just so many different ways uh, to write songs or, or the, you know, the process for me anyways. And I'm really lucky that people continue to record my songs. I think it's really, really cool. Um, you know, I just had a, had the number one country song in Canada a couple of weeks ago with Gord Bamford's Dive Bar. And that was really, really fun. You know, it's fun stepping outside of my comfort zone as well as a songwriter. Um, even though I said I grew up listening to all different kinds of music, getting to, to write something that leaned more traditional country um, for that particular project is something that I don't normally get to do. So that was really, really fun getting able to or able to do that. Do you have to put yourself in a different mind frame when you're writing a country song versus a pop song? Because I, I remember, I, I think it was um, an interview that B.B. Rexa did with Ross Golan for And the Writer Is. And I'm pretty sure it was her that said something like when she was going in to write that song um, meant to be. I think at first uh, there was some level of she was like, oh, I have to write a country song or something. But then she managed to get herself out of that. Do you do that, too, where you don't limit yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's a different process for sure, because there's certain things you can get away with in pop music that I don't think you can get away with in country, um, mostly lyrical content. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're just trying to a hooky melody is still a hooky melody. And, and I just I just try to write you know, the best songs that I can. Um, it's definitely a different process as well. I mean, I put on two different hats. Um, it's also, it's very tiring to be honest with you. <laughs> Trying, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I've been writing country songs for two months and then I fly to London to write pop songs for two weeks, it's, uh, because a whole different set of rules apply. So yeah, it can be quite challenging sometimes to get back in the game or in the swing of things. Um, when, when jumping from genre to genre. Is there a songwriter that you would like to sit down and, and do a session with that you haven't haven't done that yet or haven't had the opportunity to yet? Yeah, Max Martin. Max is arguably the greatest songwriter of all time. Pop songwriter, anyways. I mean, he's had the most Billboard number one songs, and he's an incredible songwriter. The cool thing about Max Martin is, that, is the fact that his career has spanned over 20 years, 25 years, uh, where he started writing songs for... Um, you know, Backstreet Boys and In Sync and Britney Spears, and moved on to Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, and just kind of keeps reinventing himself as a songwriter. Um, and I think I would like to, I'd love to work with Max. And, you know, his longevity is is really impressive. 
And I hate to ask this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I'm going to make you choose. If you had to choose between being an artist and a songwriter, which one would it be? Because I actually asked this question of Deborah Cox, because she obviously is, is not only a vocalist, but has been on Broadway and then has an acting career as well. And she actually did pick. She picked uh, Broadway. So, so can you pick? Like, would you be able to pick which one? I don't think I could, man. You know, I just, uh, they go hand in hand to me. I don't think I would ever stop writing songs, and I don't think I would ever stop wanting to perform them. They, it's just one of those things that's in my blood, um, as Sean Mendez would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love doing both. I really don't think I could choose. It's okay. like you know, asking to choose between your first and second board at the end of the day. It's like. You love them both, right? That's true. That's um, true. And when it comes to you, I think you said you had kids, plural, right? Is it is it two or three you have? I have two. Yep. Okay, two. Uh, when it comes to your kids, um, if they show interest in having a musical career, whether it's songwriting or an artist artistic career, uh, are you supportive of that, or do you think it's too hard? No, I'd definitely be supportive. I mean, I think the one thing that I could bring to the table if my kids chose to pursue a career in music would be just experience and also a sense of realism in this, you know, meaning that I've been through it all in this business. I've, I've had record deals. I've lost them. I've had publishing deals. I've lost them um, and came out the other side. So I think it's really important for, it would be important for me to stress to my kids how difficult this business is. Um, you know, the music business is, it's a very sexy looking business from the outside looking in. But it's it's very, very difficult. So I think that I would just make sure they understand how difficult it is to, to succeed in the music business. I want to thank you so much for spending time with us. It's been such a joy to have you on the on the show. And, of course, you're welcome back anytime. And, of course, best of luck uh, with the, uh, the tour and, of course, the EP that's out now, Love a Girl. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks. That's Canadian singer-songwriter Tebe. Make sure to follow him on his website, tebeofficial.com. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show. We always appreciate it. A big thank you going out to our guests, Tommy Parker and Tebe. And of course, a big thank you going out to our producer, Adam Brisson, for keeping everything on track. And by the way, we are super excited to announce that not only are we available on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher Radio, but Adam has made it possible for us to be on Spotify. So we're super excited. Way to go, Adam. Super excited about that. So uh, again, all these different platforms that you can find us on and of course you can uh, go to the website as well kellyalexandershow.com and we'd also love for you to check out our YouTube channel for lots of our uh, video interviews that are all hanging out there youtube.com slash kellyalexandershow so have an amazing week you and I'll chat soon